0: Lord Jesus, you are the Christ, you are the Lord, you are the king of kings. Open our hearts this morning, Lord Jesus, as we look into your word. It's in your name that we pray these things, amen. Amen. Well, as you probably have guessed, today is Palm Sunday. (laughs) Uh, This is the day in which we uh, celebrate Christ's triumphal entry into Jerusalem. The crowds hail him as king shouting Hosanna, which is an ancient word which means save us. But this day as you glean from our readings is also a sinister day, isn't it? Because these events are what sets in motion Jesus' eventual death. For the religious leaders who witness this procession, who witness Jesus Christ coming into their city, into the temple, this was the final straw. Their rage just bubbled up and, and just was, was overflowing from within them. Within a matter of days, they would capture Jesus, and then they would whip up the crowds into a frenzy. The city, which had previously cried out Hosanna, would within just a few days be shouting out to crucify him. And so if you find this day confusing you're in good company. It's it's meant to be that way. As one scholar says, the strength of Palm Sunday is its dualistic nature. There are two seemingly contradictory truths that we hold on this day. First is we realize that we are all responsible. All of our sins are what caused the death of the Son of God. But the second truth is this, that this is not the end. Resurrection is coming. This Jesus Is the King of Glory. And so this day contains both themes of sin and themes of glory. So we are walking into Holy Week right now. And right now, our spiritual pilgrimage that we've been talking about for six weeks now, (laughs) now it slows down to real time. Over the next seven days, we are going to be journeying alongside Jesus moment by moment to the cross. Today, he's hailed as king and savior. Later, he's going to eat the Passover meal with his disciples. He's going to pray in the garden. He'll be betrayed. He'll be tried. He'll be beaten. He'll be mocked. And then he'll be enthroned on high upon a cross, pierced and killed. So in a few moments, actually, at the end of this service, we're going to read that passion narrative as a preview, as a a window into the days that await us. And so as you walk through this week, maybe as you're doing the dishes or sitting in carpool waiting to pick up the kids or you know who knows what, maybe wonder to yourself, what would Christ be doing here in this moment? What was Jesus doing here and now? So after these events, on a hill outside the city, Jesus the Passover lamb is slain. Cosmic sin is finally atoned for by a perfect offering, Jesus Christ, God himself, and he cries out, it is finished, and that cry rattles the earth, and then on the next, on three days later, we hear the amen, the great amen of God the Father, the resurrection of his Son. So my question for us, my question for you is, what do you want to carry into Holy Week this week? What do you carry with you? What burdens are upon your shoulders right now? Maybe it's a heavy question that you want to bring before the Lord, a question that you're too afraid to even speak out loud. Maybe you just wander it in the depths of the night. Or maybe there's someone in your life who you prayerfully want to carry with you along this week and place at the foot of the cross before the Lord. Or maybe it's just simply a deep longing that you have in your heart to know and love God more. What do you carry with you into Holy Week this week? Because here's the deal, this isn't just a vain, ancient uh, ritual that we celebrate. These aren't just holy days on a calendar that we just wanna mark and, and then move along with. These are actual days of spiritual work that is happening here. Cosmic things are shifting around. Things within our souls are changing this week. Spiritual realities are being changed because of this week. Yes, God forgives sin all year round. Yes, the Holy Spirit is moving in our midst all year round. But Holy Week is a special time in which our common prayer and our petitions intersect with the sacred remembering that happens during this week. This is a tradition that has long been stewarded by Holy Mother Church. And we all get to enter into it this week. This is the week in which we commemorate God moving among his people. So expect to see God moving among us and within your own heart as well. So we step into Holy Week. Now these themes of suffering and of glory and themes of prayer and questions are all captured beautifully in today's reading from the book of Philippians that we read. So there's three invitations that I want to pull out from this passage today. (coughs) So in verse 5, it says, Even though Jesus was in the form of God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but instead he emptied himself, being in the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of mankind. Those first humans, Adam and Eve, were born in the image of God. But their problem was that they did consider equality with God something to be grasped. The Bible tells us that they they grasped, they stole, they reached out, they took the forbidden fruit. Because why? They wanted to be like God. They were grasping after something that was not theirs. But Jesus Christ is different. Jesus does not grasp. Jesus does not wrangle power from God the Father or God the Son. He does not engage in power grabs among among humanity. He doesn't engage in acts of selfishness. He doesn't manipulate. He doesn't abuse. Rather, Jesus comes to serve. One of the most frequent questions that Jesus asks is, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? He sets aside his power and he stoops down to the posture of a servant. So what is the invitation for us here? Adore God. Adore the humility of God. Allow the beauty of this week's moments to just wash over you. Open your heart to receive them. Set aside all cynicism and resentment and open your hearts to receive from the beauty and the humility and the love of God this week. I'm not asking you to merely admire him or respect him as you might do um, some celebrities or a scholar or um, some, a, a boss or you know, someone in your figure who you respect. I'm asking for something much more deeper than that. Adoration, adoration. Do you see the difference between admiring and adoration? Open your hearts to receive the love of God. Open your heart to, to witness the poetic and the real humility of God. Maybe it's during Maundy Thursday, as you contemplate the fact that God himself washed the feet of his friends. Or maybe it's on Good Friday when Jesus hangs upon the cross, and even in that moment, he pronounces forgiveness to those who have beaten him, those who have pierced him. He offers forgiveness to them. Or maybe it's it's on the cross when he ministers to a criminal who is next to him offering words of hope and eternal life. Or maybe it's on, 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 uh, when he's hanging from the cross and he looks upon his mother and he assigns his disciple. He says, John, look after my mother from here on out. Or maybe it's on Easter morning when we see that Jesus reveals himself first and foremost to those women who come to mourn and adore Jesus Christ, but he reveals himself to them first. You see, he is the humble, gentle king and so the first invitation for us this week is to simply come and adore this king. So Philippians verse 8 or 2 verse chapter 2 verse 8 says Jesus was obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. So Jesus is the God who became man. He allows himself to suffer one of the most gruesome deaths that humanity has invi- invented. Our reading from Isaiah reminds us of the spiritual realities that were happening in that exact moment. Verse eight of the Isaiah reading says, he is stricken for the transgressions of my people. And then later it says that Jesus bears the sins of many. As one scholar puts it, the incarnate God becomes a curse. So for years and years throughout the Old Testament, God was teaching his people. He was teaching them about how sin is dealt with. He teaches them about atonement, making peace with himself. And he shows them that the transference of sin and guilt from the head of the guilty can be passed to the head of the innocent. This is what the whole sacrificial system was, or one of the the things that it was teaching the people. And so in order to deal with sin... God's people would bring an animal sacrifice to the altar and they would place their hands upon that animal sacrifice as the priest kills it and they would feel the life actually drain out of the life of that animal. And so whenever a sinner would bring his animal to the altar, he would lay his hand upon it and he would declare out, This creature stands in my place. It is carrying my sin. But this substitute was always incomplete. You see, the damage of sin infects even the deepest depths of our hearts, our rebellious hearts. And our rebellious heart could never be represented by this unconsenting animal. And so what Isaiah prophesied and what the Gospel writers described to us is that only a perfect human could be the perfect substitute. Jesus stands in our place. Jesus, the God-man, carries our sin to the cross. So the second invitation for us is to deal with sin, to put your sin before the foot of the cross. Jesus says to us, I have dealt with this so it no longer has power over you. I've taken your sin and your shame and your guilt and your sorrows and have taken them upon myself, upon my shoulders, to the cross, into the depths of hell itself. And he says, I hold the the keys of victory. All of our grievances, our mistakes, our hurtful words, our lustful desires, our acts of violence, our lies, our arrogance, all of this, Jesus takes upon himself. So place your sin upon him this holy week. His arms are strong and mighty. During our Good Friday service, we're going to lay the cross down here on the floor, invite you to come forward in an act of prayer and devotion to symbolically place your sins at the foot of Jesus. This is an invitation to deal with our sin. So thirdly, in Philippians 2 verse 9, God has highly exalted Jesus and gave Jesus the name above every name. And at his name every knee will bow, in heaven, earth, and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. So because of his humility, his sacrifice, and his victory, God the Father exalts Jesus into the heights of heaven. So obviously, there's so much more that we could say about this. The phrase that I want to hone in on right now is, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Now, typically, when we use the word confess, even even today, we've already used the word confess in this way. Um, It's it's a way to admit guilt. Like I said, we've already done that. We'll be doing that again. Um, Lent is a time in which we spend special... um, Uh, attention on our confessions so uh, but yes that is one uh, definition but this definition is sort of a a different one this is to agree with Uh, to confess means to promise to bind yourself to another and so what we see in this passage is that there will be a day when all the shrouds of glory or all that shrouds and all that covers up the glory of Jesus Christ will be banished from all of creation All distractions and attacks of the devil will be put away. All suffering and and destruction, all of our doubt, all the our clouded minds and our selfish grasping, all of that will be removed, and we'll be able to see Jesus in his complete glory. As that old hymn says, Oh, the crowning day is coming, is coming by and by. That day in which we will see Jesus clearly, his crowning day, when every tongue will confess That Jesus Christ is Lord. Now for some on that final day, it will be the first time that they've made that confession. It won't be a confession of love, will it? But rather it will be a grudging acknowledgement as they encounter the abundant and divine and obvious glory of God. But all will confess. So my invitation is to bring your confession to the Lord. Bring your, your declaration, bring your, the time in which you want to um, bind yourself to him, bring that before the Lord. Because throughout this week, we're going to be seeing glimmers of glory. It might be on Good Friday, when we contemplate the cross of Christ, and you see Jesus lifted high, not to a throne of gold, but to a throne of wood and shame, you'll encounter his glory in that moment. Or maybe it's gonna be at the great Easter vigil when you see your brothers and sisters dramatizing the great stories of God's salvation and you hear the song and the praise come forth from the congregation. Open your hearts to the glory of God. So in these moments, either out loud or in your heart, bring your confession to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, you are the Lord of salvation. Jesus, you are making all things new. So may we enter into Holy Week this week with our adoration with our sin, and with our confession. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, you are the humble king who emptied yourself. You have every right to all glory and power and honor, but you emptied yourself and became a servant among us. So Lord, teach us to walk in this Jesus way. May we walk in your ways, Lord. As we enter into this holy week, Lord, may you fill us with your adoration and praise. Lord, may we love you more because of this week. We ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.